You are listening to What Shouldn't Be There, Episode 1, Hunger. Hello, Olivier again, um, doing another check-in on my progress coming through Dad's old house. Uh, I've been trying to make enough space to start working from the office, but I believe approximately a decade's worth of files are crammed into this room, so that probably won't be for a while. Uh, also, um, based on the outside, I believe there's meant to be a window in this room, but I think there's some boards nailed into the wall where it should be. Regardless, uh, I started reading through a few of the cases, and this one is... unique? I don't exactly know what sort of expertise this woman was seeking from my dad. She, uh, maybe needed to look for, uh, the police or a therapist, maybe? Uh, but it is interesting. Uh, Recording case number 200. The initial date logged for this file is May 24th, 2003, from somewhere in the Appalachian Mountain Range. The file currently holds a written statement from a park ranger, Sophia Richardson, and also includes a follow-up report. It reads, You learn a lot of things working at night, especially when those shifts are alone. You learn to anticipate the sounds, the bumps and the groans that make your heart squeeze, the odd stranger that sometimes walks by. It all becomes normal, easy. That's why I thought taking a forest ranger job would be cake. It would be a nice change of pace from my shitty janitorial job, even if I'd be handling the night shift. How bad could it be? It was a dream job that I was in disbelief I qualified for, and... I could get some peace and quiet. I guess I was naive then. I was scheduled to work at the station that was nestled on the east side of the national park, about 20 minutes outside of my hometown. They had been looking for someone to fill the position for a while, so I got called to start right away. (laughs) I didn't mind the drive, I actually found it relaxing, the way the city kind of melts away and you feel wrapped up in the trees. After a while, the asphalt road turns into dirt, and you find yourself at Bear Creek Station, tucked away just far enough to be out of sight of the main road, but close enough so that visitors can find it easily enough. My first few nights were easy. My manager Cindy stayed with me during those shifts, and showed me how to fill out the general paperwork and how to prep the station for the next day. It was pretty rudimentary stuff, so that's why only one person is scheduled at night. On my first shift alone, I arrived half an hour before sundown to relieve one of my older co-workers, Jack. I'd only seen him in passing. You could tell he was one of those guys who had been at this job for decades and was sick of it. I expected him to clock out the second he heard my car in the parking lot, but he stuck around. He looked... nervous. He kept anxiously looking around and asking probing questions like, 
if I had lived in the area long and if I had worked at the park before. I thought he was just trying to be friendly, but after a while it, I started to get a little nervous about it. I don't think my answers satisfied him at all because he kept huffing and swearing under his breath. I was thinking about calling someone when he started writing stuff down in a rush, as if he needed to write something down before someone could stop him. He grabbed my arm and in a frantic tone started rambling about these rules I needed to follow. I tried explaining that I had shadowed Cindy for the past few days, but he insisted that there were things they were hiding from me, things that I needed to know. He only had three rules, and he said I needed to follow all of them. First, once he left, I had to lock all the doors and windows. At no point during the night should I go near the windows or doors, and I would only unlock them after sunrise when the next shift had arrived. Second, no matter what I heard, I cannot go outside. Even if it sounded human, I cannot go outside at night. And third, most importantly, if something was to get inside, it would be better to die than to go where it would take me. I was flabbergasted. I couldn't tell if Jack was pulling some sort of cruel initiation on me, or if he was just going senile. I've met my fair share of superstitious people in this town, but nothing like this before. After he was done with his warning, he left speeding out of the parking lot and leaving me alone. At first, I tried to be calm. This was clearly the rantings and ravings of a bitter old man who was trying to scare me. I was going to do my job like I was told and report him in the morning. The first few hours were fine. After I got over my initial shock over the encounter with Jack, I was able to relax a bit. I started digitalizing the paperwork from the day, organizing information handouts we have available for guests, and just general housekeeping. I wanted everything to be perfect for my first night, so I didn't even notice how much time had passed until I started hearing the tapping. I froze, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up. It was a soft, rhythmic tapping at the window facing the back of the station. I wanted to pretend it was a branch, but I knew it couldn't be. It sounded intentional, taunting almost. I couldn't see out the window at all. It was eerily dark. No light, being able to shine through the tree line from the night sky. All I could see was black, and what reflected onto the glass from the inside. I started to walk towards the window and froze in my steps. My stomach twisted into knots as I remembered Jack's warnings. Don't go near the windows. You don't want to see it and you don't want to let it see you. My heart was trying to jump out of my throat and I started to sweat. Was this some sort of prank? Had Jack come back to scare me? Or was I just being paranoid? I decided to ignore it. I only had four more hours and then I'd be fine. I could go home and realize how irrational I was being. This was just part of the job getting used to the creaks and the moans. I continued through the night, trying to ignore the continued tapping. 
It never slowed, never wavered, but after a while, I swear it sounded louder, like it was agitated at me or something. Tap, tap, tap. I could feel my palms start to sweat and my fingers twitch. I just couldn't shake this nauseous feeling that was creeping all over my body. I couldn't tell if I wanted to scream or if I wanted to cry, because all I could focus on was the sound at my window. Tap, tap, tap. I realize now that even though I was so insistent on brushing off Jack's warning, I was accidentally following every step of what he said. That was until the screaming started. A blood-curling scream echoed from outside the house, and I let out a gasp. Manic screaming filled through the air, and I could feel my knees trying to buckle. It was coming from outside, from the direction of the window. It sounded like a woman, and she had to have been maybe a hundred yards away or so, based on the echoes. I hesitated. I know that sounds terrible, but there was just... Something not right? Something off about her screams. It sounded like something trying to imitate someone screaming. Not like someone lying or pretending, but something trying to echo the sound back at you. And despite the screaming, the tapping still kept going. Tap, tap, tap. I couldn't handle it anymore. I grabbed my cell phone off my desk and sprinted towards the window, determined to find out who was screaming and what that noise was. I didn't care if I was breaking Jack's rules. I couldn't sit around when someone was hurt. I sprinted over to the window and turned my flash on to shine it through the window and finally take a look. Instead of seeing the back porch, the light of my cell phone illuminated the man's face who stood at the window looking at me. His cheekbones were carved and hollow. The lighting made his eyes look pitch black, and he was lifting his hand to tap his long fingernails against the glass. His mouth was stretched open and elongated like a chasm and way too long to be a part of his face, and it was releasing the very scream that had brought me to the window. The night was not dark. Someone was just standing in the way of the light this entire time. I didn't realize I was screaming until it was all I could hear. I have never ran that fast in my life. There was still 30 minutes left of my shift at that point, but I didn't care. I was getting the hell out of there and away from whoever that was. I grabbed my keys and fled to my car. While I was running, something ripped into my hair and took a chunk of it with them, but I did not stop. While I peeled out of the parking lot, I could see the silhouette of the man standing in the door I had frantically left open, his body barely fitting into the frame. I didn't take my eyes off of him until I was out of sight, and I did not stop driving till I ran out of gas. My manager called me later panicked about the state of the station. She was relieved when I picked up and accidentally let slip. She was worried that it had happened again. I looked into it and a ranger at the station, the very one I was replacing, had gone missing 
months ago during her night shift. After weeks of looking, they found her. Well, part of her. The only thing left was her tongue. They ruled it an accident. Death due to an animal attack. But I know that's not what happened. And I know Jack knows that's not what happened either. I don't know who or what that thing was, but I haven't gone back to the job since. It's been a few months, and I don't think I've recovered from it, so that's why I'm writing to you now. Although I've moved and have a nice daytime job now, sometimes, just sometimes, I can still hear that tapping. Well, that was interesting. Um, alongside this letter is a missing persons report. It seems Sophia has been missing since September of 2003 after visiting her hometown for a family reunion. I'm unsure what to think of this. The inconsistencies make it difficult to evaluate. Uh, however, something interesting of note on the right side of margin on the missing persons report is a note written in red ink. Cannibals again. I am as uncomfortable with that as I'm sure you are hearing it. <laughs> but I'm gonna save this file with my special cases. Signing out. What Shouldn't Be There is a weekly horror anthology series available where all good podcasts go to lie. Today's episode was written and performed by Noelle Whitmire. For more information, please visit our socials. It will be waiting for you. <laughs>